Thanks for listening to the Highlands Message Podcast. Whether you're new to Highlands and are listening for the first time or you want to hear a past message again, welcome. Our heart at Highlands is to lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus so you can have a life full of purpose as you grow in your faith and lead others to Jesus. We hope you enjoy and are inspired by the latest message from one of our communicators. Today we have our Compassion Sunday and Compassion is an organisation that we've partnered with and and really believe in the mission of seeing kids released from poverty in Jesus' name. And both of those things are so important to us as a church and it's important to Compassion. Uh, And so we're going to have an opportunity to sponsor more kids after the service as well and we believe that we'll uh, keep seeing that one grow. But today we have the CEO of Compassion Australia, Claire, here to share with us. And so would you welcome Claire to the stage as she comes to share. Thanks, Claire. Thanks, Doug. It's so wonderful to be here with you. It's been a joy throughout 2022 to actually be in person at churches and to get to know so many people. I had the great delight of meeting Ken and Moira about 18 months ago and just hearing their heart for missions throughout the world of how Toowoomba can really bless the rest of the world and their heart for the partnership that you have with Compassion. So it's wonderful to be here again. I've had a really great time over the last few days eating my way around Toowoomba, and thankful to be able to share with you today. I'm not sure about you, but throughout my life, there's been moments that have changed the way I view the world. It might be, uh, Ken and I were talking about books we've read. It might be a book I've read. It might be people I've met. It might be those moments in your life that do change a course, like the birth of your children, Uh, walking down the aisle as you get married. Or it might be an experience you had. And one of those experiences for me that really changed the way I see the world was going with Compassion to the Philippines in 2018. I didn't work for Compassion then. Uh, My husband was a minister of an inner worst church in Five Dock in Sydney. Um, And we took our family and some of our church to the Philippines. We were ready. We'd done all the training. We had crazy amounts of gifts. We had every medication under the sun that we were going to need. Um, But I wasn't ready. Because I wasn't ready to see what I saw. For me, the first half of the week, I just wanted to close my eyes. I wanted to close my eyes to block out what I was seeing. The continued sights of children that have no food, of children who don't know how to play, of children who have no hope, of families that have been destroyed by the day after day of poverty, of families that in such great need have chosen to commit violence every day, the unbearable sights of houses collapsing and villages being silent, the unbearable sights of homes being made in tombs and families destitute. All I wanted to do was close my eyes and go away. And so today I want to think about together, how do we truly see the world? And I want to look at the Gospel of John as we talk about this. John uses these themes of light and darkness, of blindness and sight, to ask that question, how do we truly see? It starts in the very beginning of his Gospel. John 1, 9 to 10, you might be familiar with these words. It says, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. The true light had came into the world to help us see, but we couldn't see. 
And so today we're going to work through the passage of John 9, where John narrates a story of Jesus healing a blind man. And it begins with a blind man sitting alongside the road and Jesus and his disciples walking past. And we get a little bit of a glimpse into how the disciples see the world with the question they ask, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parent, that he was made blind? But Jesus doesn't see the world this way. And it's not a rebuke, but he does carefully try and turn their sight away. Neither. Neither this man nor his parents sin. But this has happened so that the works of God may be displayed in him. What a truly different way of seeing the world. No, this man was not cursed. This man is going to be a vessel through which God works. And as the discussion ends, Jesus walks towards the man. He puts mud on his eyes and he says, wash in the pool of Siloam. And John reports so simply this healing. He says, so the man went and washed and came home seeing. And I think he does it so simply because this is actually not the climax of the story. You would think it is. You'd think it'd be so joyful, but it's not. And so the man goes home. And we move from this scene to his neighbourhood. And this is one of my favourite scenes in this passage. It's so familiar. He's come back to his neighbourhood, to everyone who's known him his whole life. So imagine someone who is blind coming back to Toowoomba. And the questions begin. Have you seen that guy? You know the one that was blind? He's conceit. No. No, no, he can. No, 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 he must be mistaken. It must be someone else. And it goes round and round. And they're so confused and they don't want to make a decision. They don't want to be wrong. So they drag this poor blind man to the Pharisees, who they believe truly see the world. So this poor blind man can see today. Instead, he goes home. Instead, he's dragged now to the Pharisees, and he tells the Pharisees how he's healed. And surely, the keepers of the law, the upstanding members of the church, surely they'll see the world, right? But no, they still ask more questions. No, he couldn't have healed you. It's a Sabbath. <laughs> Only God can do this, not a sinful man. How can a sinner perform this? And so the questions show again that we have people that can't truly see the world. And they're so confused. And so they keep questioning him. They ask the blind man who they think Jesus is. And he says, oh, maybe a prophet? Which John starts to give us a hint that the blind man can't fully see yet. And so the crowd, the teachers, the Pharisees, they can't see the world yet. They still don't know how to fit this into their worldview. And then you take a sigh of relief because his parents come. And you just go, yes, if anyone can truly see, surely parents can see their son. And they confirm to the crowd who's gathered around now, they confirm, yes, this is our son. And yes, he could not see. But then they stop. They sort of step away from him. We don't know how he can see. And John reports the reason for this. He says that they were fearful. The parents do not want to be thrown out of the synagogue. And so rather than thinking how their sight could change, they distance themselves from their son. So a day that should have been full of joy and celebration, a blind man can see, means a blind man is continued to be shamed. 
And you can hear the blind man's frustration. I was blind, now I see, isn't that enough? But they question him again and again. And he struggles to understand why. And he says, don't you want to be there, his disciples too? And at that point in the passage, I feel like it's like a two-year-old who puts their hands over their ears, closes their eyes, so they can't see the world. And this is the point where we come to the climax. The blind man is thrown out. The Pharisees ask him to leave. And Jesus approaches him. And Jesus says, do you believe in the Son of Man? The blind man says, who is he, sir? Tell me so that I may believe in him. What is amazing about this verse is even though the blind man can see, he still knows he cannot see truly. And Jesus says to him, you have now seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking with you. Then the blind man says, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Finally, a blind man can see. We cannot truly see the world without seeing the world through the true light. Our eyes cannot reveal the completeness of the world we live in. And John so beautifully crafts this narrative to help us see that. He begins and ends with people seeing. We start at the beginning with the physical restoration of sight and we end with the spiritual restoration of sight. And it helps us understand how much knowing the true light changes how we see the world. So I'm going to invite you. Come with me to the pool of Siloam. Because we are going to watch a blind man see. Come, sit on the edge with me as he leans over and he puts water on his eyes. And slowly, grain by grain, the mud falls away and slowly, piece by piece, his eyes open. First, there's just a little glimmer of light. Then his eyes are fully opened. Do you wonder what he first saw? Was it his hands? And was he marveled at the amazing range of colours in his hands, to the lightness of his palms, to the sunburnt backs of hands? And did he look past his hands to see the water that is shimmering with a light bouncing off? Water that, water that feels both clear and not clear. Because for the first time, the world that the blind man has felt and heard and smelt is now revealed in a completeness of sight. And it must have been awe-inspiring and wondrous and beautiful. But as the blind man starts to walk just through his first day, he also sees that the world is broken and perhaps beyond repair. And this is what John wants us to see as well, that through the true light we see a more awe-inspiring, wondrous, grace-filled, merciful world. But we also see a world that's more broken than we imagine. So I'm asking you today, what is your blindness like? Is your blindness like one of the neighbours? You are blinded by too many quest people's voices, not knowing how to work out how to truly see the world. 
Are you scared of looking foolish? Is that what blinds you? Is your blindness like one of the Pharisees? You have very black and white ways of viewing the world, what's right and wrong. And so your blindness stops seeing the fullness of how God can work. I feel like I often fall there. Or is your blindness like the parents? You're fearful, you're scared of seeing the world how it truly is. And this is the blindness that I had as I walked through the streets of Philippines. And if I had closed my eyes, I would not have seen the wonder and the beauty of God working through what I thought was disrepair. As we walked through the streets of Cebu, past prostitutes, buildings falling down, people comatose on the street from drug and alcohol addiction. We were walking under sort of electricity-wise that you're bending down through sewerage, through darkness because all the houses are closing in. I just thought I saw a world of disrepair. And we're walking and we slowly start to hear a sound. And it's one of the sounds that I love Um, And I loved walking onto your campus today to think during the week you hear this sound. It's the sound of children playing, of children playing ball and running and talking and laughing. And I can hear this sound, but my eyes are telling me that this can't be. And we walk forward and we turn a corner. And out in front is not the beautiful playgrounds that you have, but a dirt, muddy rectangle with a basketball ring in one corner, which is probably now about eight foot instead of the regulation. And there's about 50 children playing, all ages, from about three up to 18. And this moment changed how I saw the world. Because as we walked towards, I realized this was the church, the Compassion Project. And that what I had not thought was possible, God was working. And if I had closed my eyes, I would not have seen how God was working in his world to change it. And in the Philippines, they love dancing and singing, which is a problem for me because as Isaac Moody will tell you, I can't clap in time. And so we walk through the gates and thankfully I don't need to clap and they put hats and necklaces and there's a lot of excitement. You've got about seven children hanging on to you and they, they carry you up to a hall. We all sit down. It's about sort of half the size of this hall. And five women walk onto the stage and silence comes and they walk onto the stage and they gradually hold up signs and they're signs of how they see themselves. Prostitute, unwanted, unloved, addict. I'm sitting next to my then 10-year-old daughter and I don't want her to see women seeing themselves as this. I'm horrified. The joy that I just felt, the new way of seeing the world just disappears. But then after about 30 seconds, they turn the signs over to how they now see themselves through the true light. Loved, redeemed, justified, worthy. And it's at that moment that I feel like I could almost touch the power of the gospel and my eyes can begin only to glimpse 
the world as God sees it. This is so important to our work at Compassion because seeing the world as God sees through the true light means that we care for these children that the world forgets. The true light shows us that children living in poverty are wonderful and important and are made in his image. These children that the world has forgotten, the true light tells us we need to remember. But the true light also shows us that these children don't just need food and care. They need to be able to truly see like we do. And so at Compassion, we believe strongly that we need to help their, all their blindness, their spiritual, their physical, their emotional, their well-being and their social needs. And that really drives how we do our work. And so I really want to thank you because as Doug said, you're currently sponsoring 295 children throughout the world and that actually got up to above 300 last year. We had a number of children exit our program, some because they've completed, which is just an amazing time to celebrate. And that means that there are 300 children around the world who now know that they're seen and they're beginning to go on that journey to understand how God sees them as well. So thank you. And one of the ways that you show that you see them is through letter writing. And last year, 614, at least, there's probably a few more, letters were exchanged between Highlands and children on the field. And this has told the children how God sees them. And so today, I wanna thank you for partnering with us and really having an impact around the world. But I also want us to consider if we see the world through the true light, how does that change how we live? Because these children are forgotten by the world that we live in. And so I wanna ask you two things to consider today. Firstly, would you consider joining the people here at Highlands that sponsor a child? We have many children who live in a world that I wanna close my eyes to, that's hard to see. Through sponsorship, we're able to say there's much beyond the world you live in. And so today, outside, we have a table and we have Dean and Ryan here and myself who would love to talk to you. And we have these beautiful children. And I love reading these. I had to bring my glasses because it's very small print on the back. This is Rhiannon. She's almost, oh, she's just turned three and she lives with her father and mother and she's in the Philippines. And it's children like this who have come into our project and they're waiting for someone around the world to say, I see you, I love you, and I want you to know what God thinks of you. And so I'd love you to consider sponsoring a child today. And then there's another way, and that's writing letters. Last week, we had our whole team together. It was the first time in almost three years, 150 of the Compassion team in Australia. We had the great joy of um, having Lenny from Uganda, he's a country director in Uganda, come and visit. And we asked him about letters. We said, look, what should we write? People always ask us, what should we write? Why do kids keep telling me their favorite color's pink? What does this help? And Lenny said, and I'm gonna quote him, so I've just gotta find him. He said, poverty tells these children, you don't matter, you don't count. But letters reverse this. Someone knows them and loves them. 
So we want to invite you today. We've got set up out the back there a letter writing space. You can take a Polaroid photo. Who doesn't love a Polaroid photo? And we will send that and your letter um, to your child overseas. So we'd love to invite you to write a letter. And we can help you know what to write. But what Lenny told us, it does not matter what you write. It just matters that you do write. So we'd love to invite you there. When we open our eyes to the world, what we can see can be discouraging and difficult. The numbers of children living in poverty are huge. And some days I find them so depressing and overwhelming. But I hold on to the words of John in chapter one. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Highlands Message Podcast. We hope you feel encouraged to take these words with you to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose and to make a difference. If you feel moved by today's message and want to connect with us, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at highlands.au on Facebook or Instagram or head to the highlandschurch.org.au website for more resources and information. Be sure to follow the Highlands Message Podcast on your preferred platform to stay up to date with our latest message. We hope to see you in person soon.